born to serve. My eyes see injustice, my hands work for change, my tongue sing the sorrow of my heart. The love of Allah combined with hope, let's hold hands as we make a start. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. A heart, hearty, warm welcome to each of you respected listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. Journeying this evening through your favorite show called Born to Serve, where we highlight leaders that are prominent in our community based on their contributions solely for the sake of Allah, Rabbul Izzah. And as you've been made aware, um, our customary time has actually changed from 5 to 6 p.m. insha'Allah to to 7 to 8 p.m. insha'Allah. So every week, stay tuned on the Saturday. Respected listeners, it would have it would be very, very ungrateful of us to not welcome or rather to delay welcoming our honorable um, esteemed scholar that is lecturing and is making a difference to our Cape community. We have with us in studio, none other than Sheikh Fakhruddin Uwaisi Al Madani. Sheikh Fakhruddin, we welcome you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. We say a heartful welcome to you and shukran to you for taking the time and being on our journey this afternoon, born to serve. Shukran for inviting me. It is only a pleasure, respected listeners. So let us begin straight with. Walking through the journey of Sheikh Fakhruddin. Sheikh, perhaps maybe inshallah, could we begin, you know, a little bit about your journey growing up? Well, alhamdulillah, you know, we, uh, I was honored to grow up in, in the holiest of places and the most beloved of places to a Muslim, which is uh, Al-Madin Al-Munawwara. MashaAllah. And uh, alhamdulillah, you know, uh, my father, uh, Hafizahullah Ta'ala, uh, very pious uh, person, very devoted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, and a learned person as well. So we uh, grew up, you know, in the, in the beloved city of Al-Madina and, uh, you know, uh, always uh, playing in the streets of Medina and uh, always being in the Haram al-Nabawi Sharif. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah, my father, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's every single night in the Haram, you know, he, 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 he can't miss uh, his Maghrib or, and Isha, or at least Isha for sure, uh, in the Masjid al-Nabawi. And since we became, uh, you know, uh, just a little older from the age of uh, six and seven, mm. uh, we were required, you know, to go with him every night. MashaAllah. Yeah, so uh, when the time is coming for our dad, you know, Baba, as we say in Arabic, uh, mm. to go to the Haram, then, you know, we all have to be dressed up and Mama will dress us all up because we have to go with Baba to the Haram. MashaAllah. So that was, uh, you know, uh, at that time, sometimes you, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> you know, as kids, you, mm. uh, but when I look back at that, uh, you know, I can't uh, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enough that, you know, uh, for so many years, mm. uh, every single night, you, we used to be making salah in the Haram. And going as well to greet uh, Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wow, memories indeed. Uh, how different is 
playing in the gullies of Medina to perhaps maybe us in South Africa? Do you perhaps have any memories from childhood? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, well, you know, uh, I don't want to run down South Africa. That's my second home, you know. But uh, <laughs> alhamdulillah, you know, uh, one thing is that, I mean, in, in, in the neighborhood that we lived in, you know, Harat al-Fatih, Tariq uh, Sultana, it's uh, near the Haram, so we could hear the Azan of the Haram. Allah Akbar. And we could also see the minarets uh, of Allah the Haram. Akbar. So uh, one thing was that you always hear the Azan, uh, and I know that happens in some, uh, many areas in Cape Town as well. Uh, mashallah, you hear the Azan, but not the Azan of the Haram. Ah. Yes, so <laughs> there's a difference. And right. uh, the Azan of the Haram is so enticing and beautiful. Uh, that sometimes, you know, you just take a walk to the Haram. Uh, the Haram was a walking distance from our home, mm. uh, you know, 15 to 20 minutes only. So Masha often Allah. we will just walk. Uh, of course, our home uh, last year was demolished. So uh, right. we've now moved uh, to Uhud mm. uh, next to Sayyidina Hamza. Allah. You know, uh, but where we grew up, that mm. was very near the Haram. Subhanallah. So Alhamdulillah, it was uh, beautiful uh, being in the streets of Madinah. People of Madinah have beautiful practices, the Ahlul Madinah. Nah. One of it is that the elders will always uh, not feel hesitant to correct a child, mm. anybody's child. So if they okay. hear anybody swearing, uh, you know, children in Madinah can swear also. You know. <laughs> but uh, if they hear anybody behaving rudely, uh, any uh, adult on the street will correct you. Subhanallah. And your parents uh, will be very happy. If you go mm. complain to your parents, they'll say, I wish he smacked you as well. <laughs> so that's one thing. They mm. also teach us to respect the time for salah. Okay. Uh, they'll tell us all to go to the masjid. Uh, also in Medina, if you see anything lying on the street with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on it, right. uh, we pick it up. We, we, are, we are taught to pick it up. And, right. and in, in the roads of Medina, in the alleys, you in the old walls you have these little holes right. like anywhere you have this little hole right so mm. but in Medina you will notice that these holes are filled with these pages uh, which have Allah's name on it like pages of the Quran and right, so on right, right. Uh, and also we were told to uh, respect bread so in Medina you know uh, it's a custom that if you see bread lying on the on the, on the street you pick it up and wow. you show respect to it mm. some of these practices to be honest are dying out now Okay. But uh, I was fortunate to uh, still, uh, uh, you know, g you know, get these practices, mm. uh, and of course, play soccer so, <laughs> you know. with the Pepsi cans. And yeah, with the Pepsi cans, exactly. Okay. Wow. So Allah. Yes, uh, I think I have fond memories also growing up in the kingdom. You know, uh, every Pepsi can that you can get hold of, it became a soccer ball after that, and yes. that's, I mean, you know, part of, um, mm. I would say, healthy, clean fun. Uh, you know, the contrast. Perhaps maybe Sheikh could enlighten us more. Um, growing up in a day filled with technology, spending a voluminous time on our phones, tablets, iPads, etc., versus going out and you know having physical fun, healthy fun. What what would you say um, is necessary, perhaps in our community today? Yeah, you know, it's uh, technology has taken us by uh, you know by surprise by, by you know it's, it's taken over our lives mm. and. Uh, uh, the sheer excitement of it, obviously, you know, uh, makes us overlook some of its uh, pitfalls. Sure. You know, mm. we, we all love our smartphones and mm. our fast, you know, I mean, uh, obviously, as somebody whose parents and family are in another continent, you know, right. uh, I love my WhatsApp, you know, and I love my Skype and I love ah. because you can communicate so quickly. I remember when I first came to South Africa, I mean, I had to wait for two, three weeks for a letter from my mom, you know. Sure. So uh, and you can get a phone call, but it's just once in a while on that, uh, you know, that set at home. Right. So uh, you love that. But now I, I think 
as we are using this technology now more and more, we kind of now getting to realize some of the dangers of it as well. Mm. It comes with the cost. So uh, for our children as well, uh, I, I, th I think, you know, uh, technology is good, but uh, uh, we need to cut it down uh, to, to size and uh, let them enjoy nature more. So my own kids as well, I mean, uh, I encourage them to play outside and, and uh, I, I don't like them to watch a lot of TV and, and they have an iPad, but not too much Mm. Time on it, right? Because uh, it was beautiful in Medina. We used to climb the mountains around Allah. our house, Jabal Sila. Mm. You know, it's a mountain the Prophet also Sallallahu climbed. So, Absolutely. Uh, those experiences shouldn't be missed out. You know, of nature. Okay. Wow. Growing up in Medina, the land of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If there is one more thing, perhaps, inshallah, before we break for Maghrib, um, you know, one more maybe distinct quality that was present then that is not now. What would it be? Of course, it's present then and not present now. Uh, well, you know, are you referring to the city itself? Or the, the city time? itself. Yeah. The city itself. Yeah, you know what? The sad thing is the city itself has also changed a lot. There Allah. are things that we had then in the city which the city itself doesn't have anymore. Mm. Uh, but uh, one thing I can just say is that uh, growing up uh, in Medina and particularly the Haram, mm. and I'm, I want to, uh, to highlight a difference here. Not everybody who grows up in Medina grows up in the Haram. Okay. Because a lot of the families don't go a lot to the Haram. Right, they uh, live on the outskirts maybe. Outskirts, and there might be people who even live nearby, but, uh, you know, the Haram is, is if Allah guides you to the Haram. You know? mm, so there are people who live in Medina, but uh, they're not really a lot in the Haram. Wow. Uh, so I was very fortunate that I wasn't just uh, growing up in Medina, you but I, I was in a family that was very attached to the Haram. Allah As Allah. I said, my father every day in the Haram. So because of that... Uh, I grew up in the Haram and what made that distinct is it made us aware of the entire world at a very early age. Wow, subhanAllah, respected listeners made you visualize the entire world at a very early age. Inshallah, we will break for Maghrib and we'll continue the journey through the land of the Prophet on Born to Stove. Stay tuned. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Respected listeners, welcome back to Radio Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM. On your journey this evening, born to serve. Previously, before the Maghrib break, we took a little journey through the city of Muhammad, the most beloved of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And gracing us this evening is none other than Sheikh Fakhruddin Owaisi. Sheikh, the journey to South Africa, the one part of the world in the Middle East, all the way to the southernmost tip of Africa, what was the first means of inspiration that um, allowed us the opportunity of benefiting from you? Well, uh, when I finished my uh, high school in Medina uh, by Madrasat al-Uloom al sharia a very uh, ancient school of Medina, very renowned school, mm. uh, I wanted to... Uh, uh, actually, I was planning to go to the Azhar. Okay. You know, and uh, at that stage, my dad met uh, a, a very prominent personality, mm. uh, Dr. Khalid Al-Ma'ina, was a prominent journalist and uh, <coughs> an editor of a newspaper in Saudi Arabia. Okay. And uh, so he uh, met me and he just said to my dad, what do you want to do with this kid? Uh, you know, he's uh, very much into Islamic studies and uh, looks very promising when it comes to these uh, 
uh, you know, his intellectual uh, studies. Because mm. uh, so, he spoke to me as well. So my father said, well, we, uh, that's why for that reason, because right. uh, he's got this interest in the Shari'i Islamic studies, we want to st- send him to, to the Azhar. Okay. So uh, that's when this gentleman said to my dad that, uh, you know, uh, what's he going to learn at the Azhar that he, you know, can't learn here? Mm. Uh, it's the same uh, stuff and it's just another Arab country and so on. But uh, I've got a better option for him. Uh, and that is that uh, why doesn't he go to uh, South Africa? Okay. So my father was like, why and what's <laughs> going on there in South Africa? <laughs> we, we know about South Africa from the Hujjaj. Right. You know, all of South African Hujjaj are known to the people of Makkah and Medina. Right. So uh, he said, well, you know, if he goes to South Africa, then he can learn English and he can do a lot of da'wah uh, in the Western world, in the English speaking world, because there's uh, a lack of ulama and scholars in good ulama and scholars in the English speaking world. Mm. So there, I think your son can make a difference like that, rather than just going to the Azhar and coming back and being a normal sheikh in Saudi and so on. So my father liked the idea. And okay. uh, I also wanted to uh, you know, expand my horizons and learn English particularly. Mm. So my father said, well, where can he study in, in, in um, South Africa? So that's, at that point, uh, this gentleman said, well, uh, I've been to South Africa and I, I just saw a very beautiful institute there called mm-hmm. the Islamic College of South Africa, okay. ICOSA. Right. And the founder and principal of that college is in Medina right now. SubhanAllah. Sheikh Saadullah Khan. Oh, mashallah. Yeah, okay. and uh, I like it because the, the, their approach to Islam is very uh, open-minded uh, as opposed to the very rigid approach that you may get in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and this was being told to my dad by a very prominent Saudi uh, I mean, uh, personality himself. He said okay. they've got a very open approach. Uh, you know, uh, it's not very sectarian. It's not very uh, fanatical, you know, and um, uh, so it, it's it's very uh, fresh approach. And I think we need more people like uh, to have that type of approach. Right. So uh, I've been there and I saw these guys. Uh, so you should meet up with this man and he mm. can tell you more. So that's when uh, we uh, called on uh, Sheikh Saadullah Khan and then we met him in his hotel it was the Green Palace Hotel uh, opposite the Haram. So Haram still existing. <laughs> yeah, no, actually they demolished it. Oh, Allah yeah, Akbar. This last year, yeah. So uh, we went to, in fact, it was the original Green Palace. So okay. uh, uh, we met him and then we invited him to our home as well. Naam. And the discussion with him was very fruitful. And uh, my father liked what he heard right. from Sheikh Saadullah Khan. You know, he had his concerns first, who exactly are these people and so on. But that he was very uh, contented with what Sheikh Saadullah had to say about Cape Town and about what they teach and so on. And uh, Sheikh Saadullah kind of convinced him that this will be very good for your son. He'll, he's got already the traditional knowledge and the Arabic and stuff. But now uh, he'll get another perspective to the world, okay. uh, you know, uh, in an English environment. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we, they were convinced. And Sheikh Saadullah himself was also very excited uh, to kind of have a student from Medina in his new institute because right. Kosa was still new. So he said that's going to be a plus for us as well. Subhanallah. To say that we've got somebody from Saudi Arabia in our institute. So it was kind of like uh, mutual. The feeling was mutual. Right. MashaAllah. And from there, uh, you know. Uh, Alhamdulillah. Mm. I came here. Great you know. journey indeed. Now, perhaps maybe just shifting our focus a little bit. Um, 
in terms of deen in totality, we all understand Quran and Sunnah is Quran and Sunnah, you of course, know. Of course, uh, the the exception, or rather the, the the point of discussion that comes about is, uh, like you've alluded to earlier, uh, you know, the type of approach which people, uh, you know, learn the Quran and Sunnah firstly and use it to propagate to others. Now, sometimes people may learn it in a rigid fashion and teach it in a rigid fashion. Sometimes people may learn it in a rigid fashion and teach it in a moderate fashion. What What do you think is most ideal in our South African context? Uh, well, you know, uh, everybody uh, we accepts Quran and Sunnah. You're not a Muslim if you don't accept Quran and Sunnah. It's, it's all about how you uh, interpret the Quran and Sunnah. How okay. do you understand them? Right. That's where the khilaf comes. Right. Uh, the, the, the basics of the deen uh, are set. Okay. Nobody can disagree with no. that. You know, uh, Allah is one. You know, uh, the Prophet is the final Prophet. Uh, you know, uh, wine, alcohol is haram in Islam and so on. There's five salahs. Uh, these things everybody accepts. There's no khilaf on that. Right. But then... You have the, the details and other issues of fiqh, uh, which are open for interpretation. Okay. And that's right from the beginning of Islam, there's been a difference of opinion on these things. You already had four mazhabs, which means uh, that uh, on any given issue on Islam, you can have four different opinions. Mm. The fact that there's four mazhabs means on right. any given issue on Islam... Uh, except for the set basics, you right. know. I mean, those are un, 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 unalterable. But other than that, on any given issue on Islam, you are allowed to have at least four different opinions, mm. you know. Uh, so, and that's just within the Sunni, you know, the, the, the four Halusun al Jama'ah. Then you have yeah. other Mazhabs and sects and all that. So, um, so we have to recognize the difference of opinion in understanding yeah. Islam. Alhamdulillah, yes. I grew up in Medina, right. so uh, in the Haram, I would see pe- people praying in different ways. Subhanallah. Already. There's right. Shias from Iran, you know, there's uh, uh, Hanafis from India, Pakistan, there's right. Shafi'is from Indonesia, there's Malikis from Senegal and Nigeria, mm. uh, there's Ibadis from Oman, there's Zaydis from Yemen, there's uh, Salafis, there's Sufis, there's all kinds of people. And my father, Alhamdulillah, would always guide me and say, okay, see those, now I'm like, look at that here, look at how these guys are praying, they don't even fold their hands. Mm. He said, okay, son, those are the Shia, you know, okay, or those are the Malikis, that's right. how they pray, and, you know, we respect that opinion, and uh, if, even if you don't follow it. Mm. Uh, oh, but daddy, why, why, uh, there was this man, you know, uh, even if the saf is empty in front of him, he doesn't go forward. He just sticks to where he is. Right. My father's like, okay, he's a Turk, and those guys are <laughs> strict Hanafis, you know, and Allah they don't Allah. move in salah. Right. Okay, fine. So uh, this other guy, you know, he's just waving his finger in salah. Okay, they, those are Shafi'is. And so uh, Alhamdulillah, as opposed to somebody who maybe grows up in another part of the kingdom where they only see one form of Islam. Right. I was exposed to different forms, mm. but still uh, in Saudi Arabia generally, I mean, uh, the type of Islam, uh, the approach to Islam that is taught no. can sometimes be very rigid right. and very, uh, you know, um, tunnel vision where where it's only one way, you know, it's our mm. way or the highway. Okay. So that's why sometimes I know that many of the Saudi fellow Saudi brothers, mm. if they go out of Saudi Arabia and they right. see the different forms of Islam or understanding Islam practice in different parts of the world, they, they sometimes don't know how to deal with it. Subhanallah. And to the point, they sometimes may outrightly condemn it and say that, uh, I mean, I've heard people tell me, listen, you know, uh, the only true Islam is by us in Saudi Arabia. Allah. You go anywhere else, they're all following. I said, no, yeah, you can't Allah. say that, yeah, you know, it's, it's different mazhabs, it's different opinions. 
uh, even then when I first came to Cape Town, I, I also had my shocks, you know, and things that I saw here and it <laughs> took me uh, some time to get used to things. And, right. and then, But alhamdulillah, my approach I learned from my dad was that don't condemn first. Uh, importantly, yes. Try to understand why do they practice it like that. Try to understand their basis. Right. Rather than just, oh, I have never seen this in my part of the world. This this is haram. This is mm. Rather than that, just, just look at it, you know, don't indulge in it maybe if you don't feel comfortable, but right. try to understand where do these people, why do they do that? What Correct. is this a mazhab? Is this a culture they have? Mm. And that kind of, even if in the end of the day you still don't accept it, Naam. but at least now you understand why people practice it like Subhanallah. that. Subhanallah. And sometimes you'll be surprised to find that what people are doing, there were even sahabas who were doing that. Allah Akbar. Even not the sahabas you follow, maybe, but, uh, but there were people who did that. Correct. So um, that kind of, uh, you know, uh, helped me. Subhanallah. Mm. Uh, kind that kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, observations, observations that you could make yes. uh, in terms of people that are living in the kingdom perhaps or yeah. people that have grown in the kingdom that do not have an attachment to the haram yeah. so they do not have the ability to see people universality from different cultures. of islam yes subhanallah the absolute absolute wonder the nature of difference of opinion that can arise respected listeners inshallah we will go for a quick ad break we'll continue with our discussion with Sheikh fakhruddin when we come back stay tuned Welcome back, respected listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape, continuing our journey from Medina Munawwara, or rather more specifically from Kapsa to Cook Sisters in the Western Cape. We have with us <laughs> Sheikh Fakhruddin Owaisi. Subhanallah. <laughs> Sheikh, welcome once again to yourself, to being part of our journey, born to serve. Shukran, shukran. And I miss the Kapsa, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kapsa, a whole, uh, a whole plate of our listeners out there. Kapsa is a traditional uh, Saudi Arabian dish where we have literally um, a spit, Fry with a lot of starch around it. So you have a whole lamp surrounded by lots of, lots of, um, beautifully fragrant rice around it and you dive right into it. Now, Sheikh, you know, previously we were speaking about, um, uh, you know, this difference of opinion. What was it like? Being in Saudi Arabia and being an um, you know a newcomer to the Western Cape or rather to Cape Town itself, uh, was there anything that you know uh, from amongst the things that made you shocked or how did you how did you approach this how did you combat this? Yeah, well, uh, a lot of things shocked me and um, it wasn't easy. You know, it's just different, uh, totally different society mm. and culture and so. On. Alhamdulillah, it's Islam. We are Muslims, nah. but uh, you know, uh, interacting, for example, with with the opposite gender, you know, uh, in Saudi Arabia, mm. uh, there's absolutely no interaction at, at all between males and females. You know, Subhanallah, you know? right? Yeah. yeah. So in, in my case, it was worse because I, I don't have sisters as well. Okay. So now suddenly you come here and uh, you know. Uh, you ha- you are forced to interact in a way with uh, women, you know. Mm. Yeah, I'm talking about even women in hijab and stuff. Right. Uh, uh, and that was uh, uh, personally very difficult for me in the beginning, you know. Right. I remember I used to take books out of the library, and because uh, the librarian was a lady, okay, a Muslim lady, and so on, you know. And I, so I would always ask my friend to take out a book for me. Allah. And he's like, why? <laughs> it's so easy, you know. He so said, no, hard. I'm just too shy to speak, you know, to, uh, mm. to a female. And then one day when he was taking the book out, he took one out for himself and one for, you know, uh, me. He said, and this one is for him. So she said, can't he speak for himself? Is he deaf? You know, is he dumb? So, I, so that's when where I like, got upset and said, no, no, I can't speak. I just spoke. <laughs> and then, since then I'm speaking, you know. Naam. So there, there were things that... Um, 
I remember when I first heard the Ratib al-Haddad in Cape Town also. Mm. That was very... Ajeeb. Uh, <laughs> Ratib al-Haddad we knew in Medina. I mean, right. the Awrad and the Azgar. Naam. But the way it's read in Cape Town, okay. I mean, it, it sounded very much like a Christian hymn to me. Mm. You know, uh, in the beginning, I didn't even know what the people were singing. It just sounded very Christian, you know, very... Right. Uh, what is this song? Right. So this guy said, no, this is the Quran. I said, Quran, Uzbillah. You know, this is... Uh, I can't recognize. He said, listen carefully, you know, it's Quran. And then as I slowly heard it, I can see, okay, it is Quran, you know. Right. Allah. Uh, I said, okay, it's Quran. And, um, but I was still like, well, yeah, but I mean, why do you guys sing it like this? You know, like the Christian way. Or, and uh, and then people explain. I, I, I mean, I asked respectfully, you know. Yes. I, I, I didn't haste to, to condemn hasten to condemn people. Right. So they said, well, you got to understand our history here, you know. Mm. We come from a 300-year history of slavery, uh, you know, oppression, and our people were enslaved mm. by the Europeans and uh, this is how we used to keep our Islam alive and uh, we had to this is our lago as they call it in Cape lago, Town and, and this is part of our, our, our soul our heritage and uh, so you know I, I slowly got used to things like that today right. I can do the whole thing myself subhanallah wow yeah, I can lead a khaddat as they say khaddat you know <laughs> myself so I, I grew into a lot of things here alhamdulillah uh, it, it took, and some things I still don't you know still <laughs> adapting still have an issue with Okay. But uh, but generally, most things, alhamdulillah, I've, I've blended in well. Mm, subhanallah. For our listeners out there, uh, Sheikh has been through a wide variety of different types of education sources in Cape Town. A journey through a University of Cape Town, as well as currently being a lecturer at the Islamic Peace College of South Africa. Sheikh, perhaps, uh, what was it like? What are the experiences like being at a tertiary institution, a westernized institution, so to say, and, you know, finding yourself being a lecturer of Islamic studies at the moment? Um, what parallel can you draw between the two? Yeah, I came to ECOSA first, uh, Islamic College of South Africa, which was based at Mazir al-Quds. It was okay. nice because it was in the, in the mosque. Naam. And uh, I, I, it's a four-year course. I finished it in three years because of knowing Arabic. Naam. You know, and uh, I was the top student when we graduated in Masha 1999. Allah. And I got a free Umrah ticket. It was lovely. Alhamdulillah. That time, you know. Um, but after that, uh, I went to UCT. Okay. Now, that was a totally different experience again. Subhanallah. So at Ikosa, I was still only Muslims. Nah. Okay, there were females and stuff. But I mean, everybody is Muslim and it's a masjid and uh, you, you're still not too alienated. Right. But then suddenly I end up at UCT. Subhanallah. The first time I see so many kuffar at the same time. <laughs> you know, Because in Medina, you know, especially in Medina, Jidda, you can still meet non-Muslims. But in Medina, there's no non-Muslims. Right. Now, suddenly I see a lot of people, uh, non-Muslims. My teachers are all non Muslims, Subhanallah. Uh, you know, uh, everybody that I'm dealing with and uh, the way people are dressed, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and the way people behave. It, it was my first ex direct experience of um, lots of non-Muslims together. No, yeah. And non-Muslim culture and the Western Naam. culture and so on. Right. Uh, so it, it was a, a challenge. Okay. You know, it was difficult also at the beginning, but uh, it kind of uh, made me appreciate my Islam. Mm. And uh, and I always used to tell people that time that uh, uh, people say, don't you miss Medina, that pure environment, and now you're in this facade environment. I'm like, yeah, but to be a Muslim here then is more sawab than being a Muslim there. Mm. 
mm. because now here uh, you choose to be a Muslim. Right. You know, there you are forced to be a Muslim. In Medina, you have no other option, Yaqi. But here now, if I'm at UCT and I see all these different vibes and cultures and trends and, you mm. know, a facade and haram things going on, I choose to practice my deen and choose to stay away from wrong things and right. choose to. So uh, th- th- that was a good challenge. And, and it also prepares you. Uh, to present Islam to the world. Subhanallah. You're not in just in that little circle of yours and that's it. Now you see the world. You speak to different mm. people. Some people don't even believe in God. Some don't believe in, in your religion. And people challenge your beliefs. And, right. Uh, it's scary, but in the end also it's good because it now, now it prepares you to be able to defend your faith. Mm, and, subhanallah. And, and makes you ask questions and stuff. But that was just mixing with everybody at the university. Naam. But uh, the academic experience was nice. I was under Professor Abdul Qadir Tayyub. MashaAllah. Again, uh, the approach they had there uh, also, you know, uh, was also a very academic approach. Right. So that was also in the beginning, uh, you know, a bit difficult, you mm. know. Uh, but uh, I blended in with that and uh, I picked up the uh, the skills of academia and research, okay. which I feel now are very important for our ulama to have. Okay. You know, to, to, to go through a, a, an, a secular academic institution mm. uh, after your traditional studies Naam. so that you pick up those skills. Right. Uh, because then again, then you can use those same skills to defend Islam. Uh, otherwise, uh, you won't even understand what your opponents are saying. Mm. How, how do you answer them? If, first of all, you don't understand what they are saying. Secondly, uh, you don't have the tools to answer them. Right. So those research skills and stuff. Uh, and I did, alhamdulillah, I passed. Uh, I, did, I did my BA and, uh, and my uh, master's at UCD with distinction. MashaAllah. You know? So alhamdulillah. I would disagree with my professor often on stuff, but uh, uh, I would always uh, stick to, you know, academic uh, standards and, and he would appreciate that. Professionalism. Respected listeners, subhanAllah, the journey of Sheikh Fakhruddin Owaisi. Just a little bit of, you know, the in-betweens, the, the man behind, or uh, you know, what you see in front as an imam, as a community leader. We've been able to dissect a little bit of his life today, inshallah. We say a heartful thank you, Jazakallah Khair, Ahsanul Jazak, to yourself, Sheikh Fakhruddin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you ultimate success in this dunya, grant you ease in whatever ventures that you have, and make you a means and asset to this ummah, inshallah. Shukran, Ameen, and uh, it's a pleasure being uh, with you and talking to you. Okay, respected listeners, that comes, that brings us to the end of another edition of Born to serve we bid all of you farewell inshallah and we say to you please keep us in your du'as from myself muhammad sheikh our producer sister yasmina peterson and the rest of us at voice of the cape wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh